Thank you. It is such an honor to be here. Thank you so much, Pastor, for allowing us uh, this privilege. Well, if you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter 9, what we read this morning. Luke chapter number 9. And if I could, I would just go ahead and open up uh, this message with prayer, and we'll dive into the verses that we all read together. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have uh, to gather together as, as your people and to worship you and to praise you. And Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we have now uh, to dive into your word and to study it together. And Lord, I pray that you be with us now in these, in these moments. I ask that you fill me with your spirit as I preach. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that I don't have to come up here and give uh, my, my opinions or my limited life experience, but I can come up and share your word. And Lord, I pray that you be with me as I preach your word. God, I ask that you be with this church family as, as we look into your word together. I pray that you'd fill them with your spirit as they, as they look into your word. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray for every single one of us that Holy Spirit, that you'd work in our hearts. I pray that you'd make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of what we learn from your word today. I ask that you'd Convict us of sin. I pray that you draw us closer to yourself. And Father, I ask that if there's anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Well, about five years ago, my wife and I moved uh, to the Houston, Texas area where we were going to go serve at Victory Baptist Church, a suburb of Houston, to go help my dad. And when we moved there, our lives were changed forever. I remember right after we got married, it was a Sunday and Sunday night after church, we went to a wonderful, glorious place called Whataburger. Is there anybody in here who by chance has ever experienced Whataburger? Yeah, there's a, there are a few of you. Whataburger is a, just a wonderful burger shop uh, that's all over, it's throughout the South, but in Texas, Whataburger reigns supreme. And uh, we went to Whataburger. People had told us about this, this place. So we went to Whataburger and we got our burgers. And I ate, I got mine, and Adriana ordered hers. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my burger, which, looking at me, you can tell that really I just enjoy about anything. Uh, so, but my wife, she got her burger and she ate, and she wasn't nearly as impressed uh, with the burger that she got. So uh, we continued to go there. I enjoyed it. She, she liked it okay, but she didn't think it was too special. And then, after we had been married for a little while, I started to put on some weight, just like all good new husbands do. So she would, she would bake, and I would eat, and she would bake, and I would eat, and I just started to put on more weight. Well, she convinced me that I needed to, uh, she was going to encourage me. I knew that I needed to uh, cut back, and she was trying to help me. So one day, we went to Whataburger again, and this time, she said, you don't need to get the burger that you always get, uh, the sweet and spicy bacon burger. Uh, and I'll explain that in just a moment. You need to get the burger that I get, just a junior single patty Whataburger. So I did it. I was, I was trying to be good. I was determined. And then whenever I took a bite of that burger, I realized the problem. So the problem is, is that when you have a single patty Whataburger, it's just not as good as the double meat Whataburger with cheese. And, and now I know you're, some of you are looking at me like you're just, you're just a pig. Or, uh, so, but it's really, it's not about the size of the burger, it's the taste. There's just something about that meat to bun ratio uh, that is just, it's incredible, it's amazing. There's just something about that, the two patties 
that make it taste way better than the single patty. And I told my wife, I said, dear, I figured out your problem. Uh, you need to get the double meat Whataburger with cheese. And, uh, and she looked at me and she said, I can't even finish a single patty. Why would I get a double? Why would I get a double patty if I can't even finish a single patty? And I told her, I was like, dear, it's not about the size of the burger. It's about the taste. And I would venture to say that here, if you went to a burger place and you got a double patty, it would probably just taste better. Uh, so you can throw that out there, try it out. Uh, so, but I told her, you got to get the double meat water burger. Well then, so she, she wouldn't and she continued to suffer through her boring burgers and I got to continue to enjoy my sweet and spicy bur- bacon burger. And then we were expecting our first daughter, Julianne. So finally, one day she, she was, I don't know how, how far along she was uh, with Jules. And then finally I convinced her to get a double meat Whataburger with cheese. And she got it. And I remember we were sitting down in the corner booth and she sat down and she picked up that burger and she took a bite into it. And it, any of you single guys, let me just give you some advice. Find a girl who looks at you the way that my wife looks at, looked at that burger. All right, so I remember she took a bite into it. Her eyes opened wide. They started to sparkle. And uh, she realized that there was something to this double meat Whataburger with cheese. And I got her to go to the sweet and spicy bacon burger. But you know, going there to that place after, after trying different things, once you try something that is so good, once you try something that tastes so great, uh, you'll never go back to anything less. Since that day, my wife has never gone back to a junior single patty. Now, I do think that sometimes she gets the junior double. She doesn't even finish it, but she knows that, that nothing will taste as good as that double meat burger. It just tastes better. And once you try something that is so wonderful, you can never settle for anything less. In Scripture, we are invited. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Bible says, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. In Luke chapter number 9, our text for this morning, we see that Jesus takes some of His disciples. He takes three disciples, Peter, James, and John with Him on a trip. They're going to go and they're going to hike up into the mountains. And when they go up into the mountain, they are going to see Jesus in a way that they have never seen Him before. They are going to see Jesus in all of His glory. And when they see Jesus like this, it is going to change their lives forever. You know, my friend, there are many of us today, and I've been guilty of this more than I would care to admit, where I've gone to church, I've I've sang the songs, I've, I've read the Scripture, and I've kind of just go through the routine. I just go through, I go through the motions. Uh, I, I go, and, and, and the Word of God is not special to me like it should be. Uh, Jesus isn't as special to me as, as He once was sometimes. My heart can grow cold. The songwriter wrote, uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes we can all get into a rut spiritually. And what we need is we need to see the Lord Jesus Christ for who He is. We need to see Jesus the way that these disciples saw the Lord Jesus. And whenever we see Him, we'll never settle for the routine. We'll never settle for the mundane. We can never settle for anything less. 
So let's go ahead and look into this passage and see, first of all this morning, the way to see Jesus. The way to see Jesus. In verse number 28 we see it says, And it came to pass, about an eight days after these sayings, He took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. So we see that Jesus calls these disciples and we see that the way that these disciples saw Jesus and their lives were changed was they saw Him by grace. They saw Him by grace. We see that He calls Peter and James and John. I've looked into that and I've, I've wondered, I've asked this question, why did Jesus take Peter and James and John? I think some people would look at it and say, well, they were closer to Jesus than everyone else, right? Or they would say, hey, maybe these were better disciples than other disciples. Different people have different opinions. But whenever I think about it, I, I look at these men and I think about who they are. I think about Peter and, and his life. You know, Peter, uh, a lot of people would say, well, Peter was the greatest disciple. And then I look at it and I think, you know, Peter met, made some mistakes in his life, didn't he? Uh, Peter, I think about that one time right before Jesus uh, was crucified, whenever Peter denied the Lord three times, whenever he, he cursed out that, that woman that came and, and, and said to him, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And he denied the Lord. I think about uh, before this, where, where Jesus told them about his upcoming crucifixion. And Peter said, no, Lord, we're, we're not going to let this happen to you. It says, Peter rebuked uh, Jesus. And how many of you know that it's probably not a good idea to rebuke God? Uh, it's probably just not a good idea. And Peter just uh, cries out, rebukes the Lord, says, Lord, we're not going to let you. Uh, we're not going to let you go through this. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, <laughs> uh, could you imagine being called the devil by Jesus? And Peter, he was a guy who, uh, he did some wonderful things. We talked a little bit about in Sunday school about how he walked on water by faith. He asked Jesus, hey, can I come out and walk on the water to you? And uh, he demonstrated some faith, but he also had some mistakes. He had some mistakes of his own. And then I look at James and John, and these men, they were called the sons of thunder. And whenever I read about sons of thunder, I think, hey, these guys must have been brave. These guys must have been boisterous or courageous. And uh, But whenever I look at James and John, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture about James and John happens whenever they decide that they want to be at the right hand and the left hand of Jesus. Uh, they decide, hey, we want to be Jesus' second in command. We want to be the second most powerful people uh, in, in the world. And they decide that they want to be at Jesus' right and left hand. So what do they do? Uh, they go to their mom and they say, hey, mom, uh, can you go ask Jesus to do this favor for us? It's like, hey, mommy, uh, I want to ask Jesus for this favor, but I'm too scared. These sons of thunder, they were such cowards that they had to go to their mom to ask their mom to go to Jesus uh, on their behalf. Uh, and and we see here that these men, of course, they, they were disciples of Jesus. They loved the Lord, but they also had their flaws. They had uh, their mistakes. They had their mess-ups. They, uh, they had their sins. Yet Jesus still invited them up into this mountain. And it must have been just not because Peter and James and John were good, but because Jesus is good. My friend, the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Grace is the unmerited favor of God that we could not earn, that we could not deserve. Yet Jesus invited these disciples to walk with Him, to follow Him, to see Him. And my friend, the invitation is open to you today as well. Maybe you'd say, hey, I, I, I have a rough past. I, I, I've made some mistakes. My friend, Jesus still offers an invitation to walk with Him, to know Him. And maybe you're a person today who'd say, hey, I've never, I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior. And you know what? If, if that's the case, Jesus offers you an invitation. 
He says, by grace, even though we were all sinners, the Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We, we were all unrighteous. We are all done. We are all turned away. Everyone is turned to his own way. Yet Jesus says, I'm inviting you to a relationship with myself. For all of us, it started like this. 2,000 years ago, we, Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life that you and I could not live. And then he was illegally tried. He died on the cross. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. And then he rose again to conquer, to conquer death and the grave. And he says, Because I died, was buried, and rose again, if you'll put your faith and your trust in me, then by grace I will forgive you. By grace I will have a relationship with you. And it's by his grace. And we see here in this passage that Jesus offers this invitation to these men, Peter, John, and James, to walk with him. And it's by grace. But I also notice that it's with work. They saw him with work. It says uh, in verse 28, it says, It came to pass about an eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James, and it says, And they went up into a mountain. Now, I, I, uh, I tore my Achilles tendon the Friday before Christmas. And uh, I live in Texas where it's all flat, and I've been walking around. Well, but before I tore my Achilles, I was walking around. And I was walking around my, parent, my, my in-law's house and walking up all the hills. And I walked down the hills. Walking down the hills were okay, but walking up all these hills, uh, that's pretty tiring. Could you imagine going up in this moment? Jesus is offering them. He's, not, he's offering to walk with them, to have a relationship with them, but he says, hey, you need to come up with me into the mountain. That took some work. You know, whenever I look at this, I see that Jesus could have revealed Himself in the way that we're going to see this morning. He could have revealed, him to, revealed them to Himself at the feeding of the 5,000 when there were lots of people around. He could have showed Himself to them at any other moment, but He said, hey, in order for me to show Myself to you in this way, you need to walk with me. And they go up into a mountain that takes some work. And my friend, something that I've realized is having a relationship with God, walking with God, uh, it's, first of all, it's by grace. We're saved by grace, but get developing a closer relationship with Him. Sometimes it's just not easy. Uh, it's not always easy to get up a little bit earlier before work to spend time with the Lord in His Word. Uh, sometimes it's, it's not easy to, to set that alarm and get up earlier to spend some time with the Lord in prayer. It's not always easy. It takes some commitment to develop a closer walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But I also notice it's in relationship, it says that they go up into a mountain and it says to pray. They go up into the mountain to pray. To walk with God. To have a relationship with Him. I'm so thankful that Jesus offers us, invites us into a relationship with Himself. To a closer relationship with Himself. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'd like to invite you today. You can know Jesus as your personal Savior. For those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior, He invites us to walk closer and closer with Him each day. That's the way that they see Jesus. But I also notice in this passage that there's some roadblocks in seeking Jesus. They, they run into some roadblocks. You see, it says, "...and as He prayed, the fashion of His countenance was altered, and His raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with Him two men." which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. 
And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for, Amo- one for Moses and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. So they go up into the mountain to, uh, to pray and spend time together. And then all of a sudden they see Jesus. Uh, Jesus, who is, it says that He is shining, He is uh, glowing, He is glorying. They're not seeing uh, the carpenter, they are seeing the God that created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without, it, without Him was not anything made that was made. They're seeing the Alpha and Omega, uh, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. They're seeing the I Am that I Am that appeared to Moses in the burning bush. They're seeing the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. They're seeing Jesus in all of His glory in this special moment. What a thing that must have been to see Jesus this way. And when they see Him, they get a little bit confused for a moment. You see, when, when Jesus is glowing and glorying, there are two other characters that also show up to meet with Jesus. And when they see these two men, Peter gets a, a kind of crazy idea. You see, it says here in this passage that Moses and Elijah, that they appear, they appear in glory, and they spake of His decease, which He should accomplish at Jerusalem, and Peter looks at these men, uh, he looks at them and he says, hey, why don't we build a tabernacle? Uh, why don't we build uh, a, a monument? Why don't, we, why don't we build up this special place for Moses and Elijah and Jesus? So here he is, and, Mo, and Peter has begun to put Moses and Elijah on the same plane, on the same playing field, at the same level as Jesus Christ. Now, you know that that's a problem. I know that that's a problem. Uh, Because there's nobody like Jesus. Jesus is God. Moses and Elijah are not. And here we see that Peter says, hey, let's put them, let's build all of them these tabernacles. And and of course, we know that that's a mistake. And Luke here, the author of this, he says, he said these things and he said, not knowing what he said. Here's what Luke is saying. He says, hey, you know that what he said was dumb and I know that what he said was dumb. But let's give him a break for a minute. He didn't know exactly what he was saying in the moment. So uh, he wants to build this, these tabernacles. Now here's where the problem comes, or here's, here's where he gets confused. First of all, he got confused because there was other people who looked like Jesus. All right, They look like Jesus. It says that Jesus is in glory. He's glistening. And then it says in this passage that two men, Moses and Elijah, they also appear in glory. And that teaches us something that someday wonderful that one day we will all be changed when we're with the Lord forever. Uh, for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, someday we will be with the Lord. There will be no more torn Achilles. There will be no more, uh, there will be no more problems with hearing and seeing and uh, the problems that come as we, as we all grow older. And someday we'll be with the Lord. And, but we see here that these men, that they appear in glory. So they look like Jesus. We also see that these men sound like Jesus. These men sound like Jesus. If you look with me, it says, who appeared in glory and they spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Now up to this point, Jesus has spoken of his upcoming crucifixion. Jesus has foretold. He's told them, hey, I'm going to, uh, he's told them about his crucifixion. He's told them uh, that I will, uh, I will die and then three days later I will rise again. He's told them those things. 
But nobody else could really grasp that. For example, whenever Jesus told it to the disciples, Peter said, Lord, we're not going to let anything happen to you. Uh, they didn't understand it. They were always, when Jesus spoke of his upcoming crucifixion, they would always be confused. They didn't talk about it. The disciples didn't. But here we see these two men, Moses and Elijah, they are speaking of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. I love here the, the wording. It says that he should accomplish. It's not, it's not what was going to happen to him. It was what he was going to accomplish when he said it is finished. So they look like Jesus and, and, and they sound like Jesus, but there's nobody, there's nobody like the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> and my friend, today we, we oftentimes have these same problems that Peter had. The same problem. You see, oftentimes we, we're gathered here together today as, as, as the church is gathered here together today to seek the Lord, uh, to worship the Lord. Yet, over the course of my life, what I've seen too many times is people have got their eyes off of Jesus and they've started to get their eyes on, on other people. Uh, other people who, hey, by the way, we should look like Jesus. We're ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we, should, we should sound like Jesus uh, the more that we walk with Him. The Bible says that we're changed from glory to glory. We're, uh, for whom He did foreknow, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. We're supposed to look like Jesus and we're supposed to sound like Jesus, but oftentimes we get our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ whenever we get upset at somebody else. We look at somebody else and, and that person takes the place that only God should have in our lives because only Jesus is perfect. And, and when we, when we look, get our eyes off of other people and we expect everybody else to be perfect, we end up getting ourselves in trouble. Uh, we end up getting angry and bitter whenever someone hurts us. Uh, we, get, we get angry and bitter whenever we put the expectations uh, of God on some other person. And here we see that they look like Jesus, they sound like Jesus, but there's nobody like the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Moses, he, was what re he represented the law uh, to the children of Israel. The Bible says that the, by the, the, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. To, to these Israelites, Moses was uh, the representation of the law. Yet Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Uh, to, to, to these Jewish people the, uh, that Elijah would have represented all of the prophets. If you remember whenever John the Baptist uh, started his ministry, they said, hey, are you, are you Elijah? Uh, to them, they, he represented all of the prophets. Yet he could not compare to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Elijah, he did some special things. Elijah, uh, if you remember, he, he slapped the water with his mantle, but Jesus just decided to walk across the water. Uh, Elijah, he, he killed the 450 false prophets of Baal, yet Jesus sacrificed himself for the sins of all mankind. Uh, Elijah uh, called, called down fire from heaven and he, he prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years. Yet Jesus calm the wind and the wave and the sea. Nobody can compare to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that sometimes we can all get a little confused when we're seeking Jesus, when we expect other people to be perfect like Jesus is. So we see this morning, first of all, we saw the way to see Jesus, then we see the obstacle seeing Jesus. But what is the result of seeing Jesus? What is the result of seeing Jesus? And we see, first of all, we understand the superiority of Christ. There's nobody like Him. He is greater than all. He's greater than all. It says in verse number 30, 
it says verse number 34, it says, While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. They understood the superiority of Christ. You see, as, as, as Peter is speaking and he's saying, hey, why don't we build these tabernacles? And he, what, he didn't know what he was saying. It says that God shows up on the scene and He says, hey, this is my beloved Son. He's saying, hey, Peter, you need to understand something right now. Hey, there is nobody like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. He's the only one who can lay down His life and then take it up again. All other religions of the world cannot compare. You see, every other religion of the world serves a God that is deceased, but Jesus is the only one who laid down His life and rose up from the grave. There's nobody like Jesus. And what we see here is we see that that God is establishing, the Father is establishing, hey, there is no person, the greatest of, of, of Jews, the, the Moses, Elijah, the greatest of them all could not compare to the Lord Jesus Christ when the Father shows up on the scene and He says, hey, this is My Son, and Moses and Elijah are gone. Here's what we see, that there's Jesus is greater than all. If you remember Moses, whenever Moses died, Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt and into uh, the wilderness. And you remember, he was supposed to lead them into the promised land, but because of his sin... Uh, he, he got filled with pride and anger and struck that rock when God told him to speak to it. He couldn't go into the promised land. You remember that? You remember how because of Moses' sin, he couldn't go into the promised land? Yet here in Luke chapter number 9, where do we find Moses? We find Moses here on a mountain in Israel. Here Moses is, and he is in the promised land because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus is going to accomplish Moses is here on the mountain in the promised land with God. You see, up until this point, Moses couldn't get into the promised land because of his sin, but because of, the, because of Jesus and because of who Jesus is, here is Moses on the mountain. And if you remember Elijah, Elijah, that great prophet, he, uh, at, towards, uh, after he called down fire from heaven, you remember he was ready to die. He wanted to die. Because he said, hey, I'm, I'm all alone. There, I'm here by myself. There's nobody who's standing for you like I'm standing for you. And here he is, Elijah is on the mountain in the presence of his Savior, in the presence uh, of other believers, and he's not alone anymore. Why? Not because of his goodness, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my friend, there is, there's no good work, there's no good thing that can be accomplished that, that is separated from the grace of God. We're saved by grace and we live for the Lord Jesus Christ by grace. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Here's what he said. He said, hey, the way that I live, I live by the grace of God. And aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that we don't go through life uh, alone. We go by the grace of God. We're saved by grace and we can live by the grace of God. Moses and Elijah, they realized that the, Peter and James and John, they realized the superiority of Christ. And then seeing Jesus resulted in obedience to Christ. You see here it says, there came a voice out of heaven, out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. In a parallel passage, 
that tells the same passage. It says, Jesus said to keep it to themselves. And whenever you see God, the glory of God like these men saw it, you're going to be obedient to what He says. When you know God for who He is, when you know Jesus for who He is, the result will be obedience. Whenever I understand His love for me, the love of Christ constraineth us. Whenever I understand His love for me, whenever I understand His sacrifice for me, whenever I understand His holiness and who He is, I will obey Him. A lot of times the problem for us is we live disobedient lives because we don't acknowledge and we don't remember and we don't experience the greatness and love of our God, the greatness of our God. We see that they're obedient to Him. And then finally, I noticed that it changed their lives forever. It says, when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. They kept it close. They, they held it in their hearts. Kind of like whenever it says in Luke 2 that Mary kept these things and pondered them in their hearts. They kept it close. They go down from the mountain. They don't say anything about it in this moment. And they, they, they go their way. You know, towards the end of their lives, James, we're told, James ended up being beheaded for the cause of Jesus Christ. John, he, was, he lived as a testimony for Jesus and he was, he was boiled in oil and then he was exiled onto the island of Patmos for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, we're told that Peter was crucified upside down as a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. These men, they went and they lived their lives and they all suffered and lived and testified to the goodness and, and deity of Jesus. And that's how they spent their lives. So the question is, how, does, how did this moment impact the rest of their lives? And Peter, he says, if you'll turn with me, Second Peter, Second Peter chapter one and verse number sixteen. It says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with Him in the Holy Mount. Here's what Peter is saying. He's saying, hey, we didn't live our lives for something that was made up. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't make up uh, Jesus' death and resurrection. We didn't live our lives preaching the Gospel. We didn't do this because it was something that we made up, because it was some hoax, because it was fake. Here's what he says. He says, we lived our lives the way that we lived as a result of this moment. He says in verse number 18, he says, this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. He says, hey, the reason why we live the way that we lived is because there was a day when Jesus invited us to walk up the mountain with him to pray. And in that moment, we saw Jesus for who he really is, the God of heaven, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. We saw Him in that mountain and we lived our lives the way that we lived them because 
we saw Jesus. And my friend, that's what's supposed to be the motivation for all of our lives. As we know, we seek, we walk with our God. I could give lots of reasons for why I believe that God has called us to Houston. Uh, I could share with you some of the statistics, 650,000 people in the downtown area without an independent Baptist church. Uh, I could share with you reasons like Houston statistically ranked as far as in the United States of people who, uh, who interact with the Bible, are Bible-minded cities. Houston ranks near the bottom with cities like Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington. I could share with you some of those statistics, but ultimately, here's what it boils down to for me. One day, I was seeking the Lord. Somebody asked me if I would pray about a certain decision, and as I was seeking the Lord, I came across Isaiah 61. And in Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach good tidings. And then the same day, I read later in Luke chapter number 4, whenever Jesus is beginning His public ministry. And Jesus, as He begins His public ministry, He opens up the Scriptures. And as to start His ministry, He opens up Isaiah 61, where He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the Gospel. Here's, here's how it worked for me. Whenever I read Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, when the Bible says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And I realized that, that in my life, I was a part of a church that was doing everything we could to reach Jerusalem. And we were supporting missions to go to the ends of the earth. But we had a town right next to us, a city right next to us, the fourth largest city in the United States of America that is right next door to us, that is in desperate need of the Gospel. Here's how we knew that God was calling us to Houston. is Whenever we met Kayla, the girl that we showed you on the video, who, when Adriana sat down with her, she said, hey, have you ever heard the word Gospel before? And she said, no. And Adriana said, can I explain it to you? And she said, yes. And she trusted Jesus as her Savior. Here is the, here's the reason why we're going to the city. is because one day we were walking with God and God revealed Himself to us. God spoke to our hearts. And God said, hey, we're calling you to do something. And here's all I'm saying. Here's how this applies to you today. If you will walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, He will speak to your heart. He will motivate you for service to Him. And God will change your life if you will see Him for who He is. You're coming up on 2020 Vision where pastor is going to share with you vision for 2020. And my friend, if we know who Jesus is, if we're walking with Him, if we're following Him, then we can't help be excited, but be excited. God, you're gonna, you, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, want to allow me? Will allow me to be a part of making a difference for you? Yeah, I'll serve. I'll serve you. I'll obey you. I'll follow you, because I know who you are. Do you know? Are you walking with Jesus? Could we all stand together, Pastor?